Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello, hello, hello everyone, you're back on a Saturday, listening to the best show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, it is none other than Saturday Draft Live. I am Jack Graham, your host for the day, joined by, always, David Hockney. David, how are we doing? I'm doing good, Jack, it's the, it's a nice sunny day in Glasgow and I'm, and I'm in an especially good mood today, despite what the league table says. <laughs> we'll get on to the league table in a minute but we're back with for a limited time only on a loan agreement for a few months David Campbell welcome back to the fold I'm having a bit of a bird problem right now Jack as I always am you know uh, <laughs> join the club you know exactly you know but they're, they're outside my window at seven o'clock every morning chirping away and it wakes me up and this morning I was banging on the window saying go away go away and I think I've confused the birds today for the sound of the downstairs neighbour's dog's bark outside so I might have a problem with my neighbours now because I think I shouted at their dog. <laughs> However, it's all good because at least Margaret Thatcher is dead and buried. Well, <laughs> well, that, that, that's wow. one way to start the show. That's one way to start, wow. start the show. We move on. Uh, as always, you know, you can find each Sleep Suplex retweet to our Facebook, Instagram. Got our YouTube page, which you definitely take out tomorrow because we've got a quiz showdown coming out at 7 o'clock, I believe. It features mm-hmm. your, my good self. We've got Ross McLeod. We've got Sarah Grieve Horse in it. Uh, we have... I've forgotten who else so is Other people. <laughs> other people there too. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a great start. That just shows, how, that just shows how in tune I am with it. But you know, it's a rare old time. It's a different quiz than what you usually expect. It's... When it's coming for Chris Showdown, you've got wrestling and whatnot, but this time it wasn't about wrestling. This time it was about stuff, film, TV, <laughs> Disney, singing. It's <laughs> <laughs> not your day, is it, Jack? Oh, this is not good. But you know what? See the person I forgot? Stephen Wilson, so it doesn't really matter. Right, we'll, we'll go on. We'll go on. Uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll just get into it, actually, because I've had a hell of a We'll start on a good note for you, David Campbell. Adam Pierce, first round pick. Some laughed, some cried. Your captain, 10 points. People laughed at me, Jack. People on this panel laughed at me, saying, Adam Pearce, first round pick. What's that about? Now he is the highest scoring first round pick at this point in the season. And let's, let's make sure that that's never 
forgotten. Adam Pierce has come to play, and it just we're going to talk about it later in the show. Non wrestlers, when they're done right, can really anchor your draft team and get you consistent points. Because you look at, for example, I was looking at Ty Conte in the draft, and I was actually upset I didn't get her. But because she lost this week, Stephen is now on minus one points with Ty Conte. You know what I mean? So that's that unpredictable nature when you're drafting wrestlers, you're not quite sure where they're going to go, what they're going to do. Can be a bit of a risk. A pick like Adam Pierce, it was shown last season. He's a sure fire way to get yourself some big points. That's why the captaincy's on that man. Yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, Dave. I'll come at you here because I'll say I'm not that panelist that laughed at uh, David Campbell taking <laughs> Adam Pierce. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I mean, you 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 had raised some eyebrows. Also, we, we saw the effect Adam Pierce had last season for the goat tones and mm. maybe the Isla that kind of pick. Help propped up what they already had my good team to get that to get that victory in the end. Also, you were a bit shocked he went round one, but top three at the start of the week, ten points. Uh-huh. He's up there as a top round number one scorer with a certain individual we'll get on to in a second. Do you do you see this lasting the full season? Do you think this is this is going to be a, a turn of greatness? I think it'll be a, a short term gain for the moment because as we've seen with Adam Pierce, you know, he gets regular appearance points week by week, but he doesn't get any sort of big match points, and I think that's what lets him down. Is he gonna be a big scorer this season? Definitely, as evident was last season. I I still not sure if a round one choice was the best way to go, but I think if you're looking for solid appearance points, it was definitely a smart play. I think Pierce will probably he might sort of dabble around the top ten overall, but He's definitely going to be a strong anchor uh, for for Team Goat. I, I do resent kind of what Dave's saying there because if I didn't pick him in round one, Ryan Gallagher was going to pick him in round two. Like, I knew that before the draft, you know. And like I said, if the captaincy was on Pierce last season, he would have been the third highest draft scorer. So if you're telling me that drafting from 10th and taking a guy who with the captaincy would have been that high up is not a good move, I don't know what to say to you. Well... I'm inclined to agree with you because I, I was I probably would have looked at taking about about round two as well. I think anyone just the 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 power that he has. But we, I, I don't want to dwell on it too much because also we're going to talk about it yeah. after we've done all the tables and that. But I agree with I agree with one David and I don't agree with the other. But <laughs> but you David taught me mm-hmm. because there's someone you elected not to take when it was your turn to draft. He's uh, tied with Adam Pierce on ten points as well. My captain Drew McIntyre obviously won a match by DQ, lost a match, and had a couple of appear- backstage appearances on Raw. It's uh, it's the same old story here with Drew McIntyre, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. You know, Drew's been a constantly high scorer for. I mean, we're sounding like a broken record saying he's a constantly high scorer, and he's he's off to another flying start again. You know, getting getting plenty of appearances. He got uh, one win on Raw, but then a, another by DQ. Oh, well, a, lo- a loss by DQ, I should say. So that's what's kept him out of the, the number one position this week. But besides that, he's certainly in a a very exposed position and he's getting a WWE title match at WrestleMania Backlash. Where, where, where he goes beyond then, it, it's hard to say really, but I think if you're looking for a, a strong anchor in your team, it definitely is Drew McIntyre. And I admit, maybe I should have considered that before picking uh, Raquel Gonzalez. Obviously, uh, Campbell, something you said, you were shocked that he slipped round to the to the fourth round. He's, he's, he's proven dividends for myself here and now, but surely that's, it's, it's something that's kind of come to be expected with Drew McIntyre. Even, even when he's not having the belt on him, he is, he is raw. The now, yeah. so to speak, he is going to be that guy that will be in, in and about any match, any backstage appearance at that time. So he's always going to be a 
consistently high point scorer here. I think it's the title thing that maybe put people off, but you've got to remember he's going to have this rematch, win or lose. He'll have a prominent programme after that. And they're not going to have Drew McIntyre lose too much because the aim, the end goal is always going to be to build them back up down the line. You know, and I hate to beat this dead horse, but right now Drew McIntyre on his own has three points more than the combined total of Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez who were drafted ahead of him. Now, admittedly, it is week one. The narrative can change. I'm not going to claim victory in this point, you know, <laughs> like at this point in the season. However, I will say that sometimes draft strategy and hubris takes over common sense, you know, and common sense dictates that you draft Drew McIntyre first. It doesn't matter who else is there. Drew McIntyre is the draft MVP. Well, there we go. But uh, Hawkman, I'll come back to you because if you remember back in last season, uh, our second last episode of the season, myself, yourself, and mm-hmm. the, the legend is Scott McLeod, we gave our ones to watch for this season. That's right. And I, I believe someone gave a Paul Cruz. Was that uh, was that me by any chance? I think that was you. And yep. He was the second round pick for Ryan Gallagher. The captaincy was put on him. Uh, wins the title match against Kevin Owens. A couple of backstage appearances. And he's at top of the table for the first week at 13 points. Mm-hmm. You happy to see your ones to watch doing well here? Well, I'm happy to see my ones to watch doing well. I'm not happy about seeing Ryan's captain doing well. So, but it's uh, it's very clear that Apollo Crews is going to get a flurry of intercontinental championship defences over the coming weeks. And he's already had one this week over Kevin Owens. He's getting another one against Big E. And the captaincy's on Apollo. So I think Ryan's really sort of struck gold with this pick here, given the way Apollo's been booked. And... He's actually the, the highest scoring newcomer so far as well because he wasn't selected last season. So I think I'm expecting great things from Apollo, you know, to be heavily featured as the top sort of mid-card guy on SmackDown. Obviously, uh, Campbell, we looked, we spoke about it last week uh, with Ryan's team. He drafted both Sheamus and Apollo Crews, United States champion and your Intercontinental champion. It looked like Seamus going to be starting this kind of open challenge thing. He was like, oh, good points, but it seems like he's just going to be taking out everyone before the open challenge begins. But having your Intercontinental Champion there, your your captain, defending the first week and having another title match next week where we could, get, we could see him get the same points, mm-hmm. this could be a very good start for Ryan here. Yeah, because you went quite hard on his team last week, which I understood, but also I think most of us underestimated the impact that these mid-card champions can have, especially when at the start of the run like these two are. Sheamus attacking folk, he's still going to get appearances from that. He's not going to lose from that, uh, which is a good thing. The story here is Apollo Crews. You look at um, the pick season by season with Apollo Crews. He had that great season in season five with 78.5 points overall with that run. It was a great pick from Stephen Wilson back in the day. And Ryan Gallagher's looked at that, looked that he's been off the board last season and thought, okay, maybe I could leave him round one. Round two was the perfect place to pick this man. I thought it was a stroke of genius. But when you see, can it keep Ryan at the top end of that table the full season? I don't know. I'm expecting a mid-table finish from him just because the other parts of his team, I'm not sure where they're going to fall in terms of the big wins, like Dave alluded to earlier. Um, but certainly Apollo Cruz could prove to be a good anchor if he gets past Big E next week. Well, we'll see if he gets past Big E. We'll see if Apollo Crews can etch that that gap further for the first position in the, the top 10 of the scorers overall. But we're going to go to our table, our top 10 table. And Hawkney, it's a sad sight here for yourself. You're currently <laughs> sitting bottom 
eight points. You know, mm-hmm. Raquel only got one point. Cesaro got five for you. MGF got one. Braun Strowman got one. But Chris Statlander and AJ and almost nothing for you. It's obviously it's only week one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot to play for, but it must, must still be a wee bit of a, a dampener to start. It's stung for sure, yeah. But I'm looking at my team as a bit of a slow burner. Like, Cesaro is the one who's going to be appearing week by week. And, you know, the... The pinnacle inner circle feud is only going to pick up from here. So it's, uh, yeah, a bit of a, and that's the thing with WrestleMania season. It's always, you know, a little bit of a quiet aftermath before things pick up again. And that's sort of representative of what my team is at the minute. So I'm not taking the wooden spoon this season. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Sitting just above you on 12 points, Ross McLeod obviously had a retention for Kushida. The Cruiserweight title, that got him five points. Beth Phoenix got him two points. Charlotte Fair, a point. New Day getting a win, four points. But Ed and Kevin Owens not getting anything for him there. And we look just one place ahead. We have our Listeners League winner, Ryan Leglish, on 13 points, along with Stephen Wilson on 13 points as well. I think half of Ryan's team weren't uh, didn't show up, just didn't take any points for him. Yeah. And Stephen, also, you spoke about it earlier on, Camel Tia Conte got negative one points. Yeah. So, it's again maybe a bit of a slow start, but we but we move on. We see your team, Campbell, in fourteen points, tied with Gary. Obviously, you know you're up at that mid table, but you're drafted last position. Obviously, Adam Pierce getting you ten points. There's a good a good good get. Big E, a couple of backstage appearances, a Sami Zayn interference, an FDR appearance. You must be fairly happy with how this is starting for you. Uh, my aim this season probably fourth, I think, would be a realistic. Third would be. Absolutely brilliant, you know, like drafting from last, like I said, it's a damn near impossibility that you're going to win the season, you know, so the higher I can finish up, I'll be happy with that because it shows that, you know, I do have some proficiency in the draft. If I finish last also, there's no shame because I drafted last, you know, so really nothing to lose for me this season. And we look, Gary's in the same points as you there. Obviously, Lashley and MVP took a tag team, not getting any points for him. And Sasha Banks had a no show this week as well. We look at Rhea Ripley, four points. Seth Rollins, a point. Tony Schiavone, three points. We'll get on to that after all the week tables. And Daniel Bryan, six. And he has a title match next week. But if he loses, he's banished from SmackDown. So it's a bit, quite a big question mark there for Gary and Daniel Bryan, I think. Yeah, I think with Daniel Bryan. He took a risk in the the last round there because the rumours were very heavy that he was going to be off of TV. Um, and I think that the, the what saves Gary from getting too much slack with that pick is that Ross drafted Edge in round two, you know, <laughs> like which is arguably a worse choice um, <laughs> out of the two of them with who was going to show up post-mania. So I think that's the danger. I think the thing is they'll bring Brian back for SummerSlam. So if it is a case of a last round pick, getting a couple of points in the first weeks and then showing up near the end of the season. I don't think that's necessarily a failure just in terms of it's his last round pick. However, if the same happens with Ross and Edge, for example, that's considered a lot worse considering who was still left in the table for him to take at that particular point in the draft. I definitely make I'll move, move up a bit there's a couple of points we've got Sarah and Scott tied both in 16 obviously Kyle O'Reilly for Scott getting 5 points Thunder Rosa LA Knight getting wins for him as well Bailey getting a couple of appearances same for Ember and Shotzi no appearance from Walter but we'll see what happens there but I want to I want to quickly speak about Sarah and Sarah Sarah's one of these picks has, has been able to utilise Dark Elevation here I think Hockney Megan Callis getting 6 points mm-hmm. uh, Britt Baker on 4 points as well Christian Cage getting a win in Dynamite Corey Graves appearing Frankie Monet appearing Bronson Reed appearing it's uh, what what looked to be a very kind of NXT AEW heavy night 
like scoring points for Sarah. Mm-hmm. That's something that's potentially spread over three nights now, which is a a good get in a long season. Yeah, it's uh, surprising how well Sarah's done, given you know her team is all on Wednesday night. Uh, shows and stuff so it's and she's actually currently the only draft performer so far where every member of our team has scored at least one point so yeah she's uh she's played a blinder here you know given that you know we all had doubts about you know how our team was going to perform but you know sitting joint third with scott that's a great start for her well i I, I need to pick you up on what 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 you said there dave we'll get on to that we got to my team but uh, in second place, Ryan Gallagher on 23 points. So he's got pretty deadly. He's not scored any points. But we spoke about Seamus, a couple of appearances. Apollo Cruz is captain, defending his title. Indy Hartwell getting four points. Zoe Stark a point. Randy Orton three points. But it looks like he's injured himself from Ross. Even if that break was happening, it seems like it might be happening now. Who knows? But your number one for the first week is my good self in 29 points. And I also have, Dave, every person on my team scoring a point. Two points for the Young Bucks, 10 points for Drew, two points for Blitz, six points for Adam Page, five points for Damien Priest, and four points for Candice LeRae. I stand corrected. <laughs> I am well, very happy how that's kind of gone off. I've been able to make use of Dark Elevation, a captaincy on Drew. Ah, oh, it's a good time to be. Good time to be Jack right now. But as always, it's only the first week. We can't get too ahead of ourselves. So it's a very, very long season. But it's not only a long season for us, Dave Hockney, is it? Because yep. the Listeners League is back once again. You must be elated. Yeah, I am elated. Yeah, we've got some plenty of returning faces and also a couple of new ones. So uh, sitting at the bottom of the table of week one, we'll, uh, we have Elliot Cantor and the big Valbowski's on nine points. So, I mean, even the, the bottom of the Listeners League is scoring more than me at the minute. <laughs> so just to show how well I'm doing. Uh, we also have big Alan Lawry. Alan Laurie, who's returning as well with his new team, Doug's Rule, also on nine points. So not the best of starts for him either. Um, we also have, uh, <laughs> this is actually one of my favorite team names so far. We have Johnny Adam with Bam Bam Gigolos. He's currently sitting in sixth place on 20 points at the minute. But we'll go into our top five now. A uh, couple of new faces in the top five and a couple of returning ones as well. So in joint fourth place, so fourth and fifth place, we have Craig Forsyth with Great White Buffalo. And Gary Morris on Quizzy Rascals, a returning competitor, both on 21 points. Now, Craig Forsyth's team contains the Young Bucks, Rhea Ripley, Cesaro, Adam Page, Ty Conte, and Bronson Reed. His team captain is Adam Page. Quite a, a good distribution of uh, WWE and AEW competitors. Uh, one NXT representative in Bronson Reed. And as we described, I think all of them were were scoring points in one way or another. What I think let him down, though, was Ty Conte's lost to Hikaru Shida, which gave her negative one. So that's what's let, um, that's what puts Craig in fifth place. Uh, above him, we have Gary Morris, Quizzy Rascals, as I said, also on 21 points, who has team captain Adam Pierce in round one. He also has Nyan Shayna, Alexa Bliss, Corey Graves, Frankie Monet, and Kyle O'Reilly. Again, a bit of a, a weird bunch, uh, but a couple of NXT representatives, Kyle scoring a big win this week. Uh, Corey Graves as well, the round three selection, the... Looks like he is gone with Gary on the the commentator pick again. Not entirely, not entirely a fan of it, but it's it's got him in fourth place, so can't really complain. Uh, third place, we have actually I should say joint second. So joint second and third, we have Johnny Napier with Ne Hassel Brasso and Ross Brady with the talented Mrs Ripley, both on twenty five points. Now Johnny Napier's team has the Young Bucks, Rhea Ripley, Apollo Crews, Sasha Banks. Tony Schiavone and Kyle O'Reilly, an excellent team on paper. But what's helped Johnny out this week is that he also has 
Apollo Crews as his team captain. And with a successful title defence, that's bumped him up uh, into third place. So quite a smart play from Johnny there. And Ross Brady with the talented Mrs. Ripley. Uh, funnily enough, doesn't have Rhea Ripley as his team captain, but he is. Uh, she is his first round one pick. Uh, so his tag team is AJ and Omos, and the rest of his team is Britt Baker, Matt Riddle, his team captain Damian Priest, and his last round pick is Randy Orton. So it's uh, again quite a quite a good team on paper. His captaincy with Damian Priest, who's had a plenty of exposure on Raw lately, that's what's keeping him afloat. But as we mentioned, the Randy Orton injury earlier on, that might be what knocks him out of the top five in the coming weeks. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But um, for the second season in a row in week one, Tom Brock is at the top of the listeners league with the Tilburg Trappers on 31 points. And his team consists of the Young Bucks, Drew McIntyre, Asuka, Adam Page, Thunder Rosa, and Daniel Bryan. His captain is Drew McIntyre. And I think that's what's keeping him uh, at the top of the table this week. The Young Bucks, as you said, Jack, you know, also got some appearance points. Asuka getting four points this week. Adam Page also doing his bit as well. Why The only flaw I can see in Tom Brock's team, and we mentioned it before, was his round five pick of Daniel Bryan, who could potentially be banished from SmackDown following uh, next week. So hard to say where, you know, things are at the minute with, with his team as well, but he's off to a flying start with 31 points. And if I was to... So I pick an early favourite out of these top five competitors. I think Johnny Napier is probably in the best position right now, but uh, we'll wait and see how that unfolds. So back to you, Jack. There we go, Cam. Well, I'm sure you are the, the matching the exact same enthusiasm for the listeners' league as, uh, as our friend David Hockney here. Oh, sorry. I just uh, went and put some spoons in my eyes and tried to try them out. Uh, <laughs> just were, you just block- were, you just, were you just blocking out the haters? Yeah, I was just trying to get some enjoyment for the past five minutes, you know, something at least a wee bit better than the Listeners League. No, I'm kidding on. You know, the Listeners League has given us some great competitors uh, in the past, such as... Um, uh, uh, sorry, Jack, what were we doing next? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on swiftly, we're going to talk about what's become maybe a key part of draft strategy in, in recent seasons. We, we've, we spoke about where it potentially started. We'll, I'll come to you, Campbell, here first, because you probably, this is, this is before my time yeah. in, the, in the draft. Uh, probably someone that wasn't expected to be a commentator at the time uh, coming off the, the Royal Rumble then got moved to commentary. Uh, Samoa Joe. Mm. Uh, yeah. This is the kind of, the, no, I wouldn't say this was part of the strategy at the time, but it was a bit unexpected where there was a bit of uncertainty in how it would be scored. And it was determined at that point a commentator would get a point per show. So this is maybe, a, maybe a kick in the teeth here, but Jink, this is a, a, a key cog in the start of the strategy of drafting non-wrestlers. I think a lot of what, I said this phrase a lot back in the early days I started to draft life, it was a young league, you know, so we're going along trying to, because you couldn't have every rule written down at that time because you couldn't uh, foresee every single situation. And one of them was the Samoa Joe thing. I remember that just uh, well. And I think Stephen did well to mediate it with the one appearance per show because if he did anything other than that, you know, we would have seen Michael Cole be like the highest rated dra- dra- draft pick, you know, for the last like several seasons. So he did well with that. But I think it sort of, it wet the appetite uh, for something that wouldn't come into play for another few seasons yet and for me Zelina Vega in season five is really the one who is the precursor to everything that we've seen with these non-wrestler picks Ross picks her in season five has a hunch that she's going to appear a lot because remember that first week after Mania is where we really get a good judge of what's happening it's hard with Smackdown because we usually do before Smackdown 
but Raw, you can really get a good indicator of what's happening. He's seen Zelina appeared a lot in that show. Takes Zelina and gets 55 points from her that season, which was groundbreaking from someone who was predominantly a manager. But what's interesting about season five is that Zelina Vega was not the only manager slash wrestler to get picked up in that season. Scarlett also got picked mm-hmm. up off of uh, by Stephen Wilson, getting a healthy 17 points. And Ryan Gallagher actually picked up Penelope Ford as well, who was still in that sort of wrestler-manager hybrid role in 10 points. So I think, Jack, what's interesting about the early precursors to what we're going to see in the non-wrestler roles is that they weren't strictly non-wrestlers. You know, Zelina could still wrestle a match. Scarlett, we've seen her wrestle matches in uh, Impact. Penelope Ford, uh, I think, had a brief flurry with a, a women's title scene around this time. So this was the dawn of it, where people were starting to see this what could happen. But they were still hedging their bets on women who might still get a chance to compete. I think that's the story of these early pickups uh, when it comes to non-wrestlers or managers. Yeah, and Hawkeye, we 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 saw this as a strategy and folk like, oh fuck, we need to consider this because this could be like good kind of last round. Thanks mm-hmm. for to prop up appearance points, but Gary Kerrigan, he changed the game next season by taking MVP and Lashley as a tag team, yep. one hundred and ten points. How 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 vital drink this is, considering at the time Lashley wasn't wasn't WWE champion yet, but MVP was wrestling a lot, but he was also the manager of the heart business, and then Lashley won the US title, so MVP was always kind of with him at that point, and he was the captain for Gary during that season. One hundred and ten points for a tag team, as we, we know, that's a brilliant score. What what's interesting we see now is that this has become more common in their tag teams taking a manager and a wrestler here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, Gary sort of set the running trend for the, the Lashley MVP strategy, as it were, because they were, he picked them uh, after WrestleMania last season, which would have been season five. And yeah, it was um, it was quite a, quite a smart play, given that, you know, it's, it protected Lashley from any sort of major title losses. But at the same time, on the flip side, it actually prevented him from getting points uh, at the same time. So whilst that sort of strategy is good for gathering appearance points and maybe taking a, a big player off the table so that nobody else could scoop him up, you sort I think you're sort of sort of burying yourself into a corner a bit in, in some capacity. I won't say it's uh sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's that's my take on it. And I think uh you know the the selection of Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman as well, that was a, a bit of a bit of a sneaky one last season and I, it didn't turn out uh, to be successful in the end so yeah sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but I think it's purely a, a tactical decision to take big players off the table I, w- uh, I think that's true but I'd also I've, I'd hit back on the fact that it's not successful because the only reason it wasn't successful for them last season really was the fact that Nia and Shayna were just mm-hmm. like one of the best tag team picks all the time yeah Nia and Shayna just ran, ramp- ran rampant last season I do think as well, uh, when he picked Lashley and MVP in Season 6, again, it's about draft strategy. Like you talked about, Dave, he was picking um, 10th out of 11th there. You know, So it takes a big pick off the table for potentially Ryan or Jack or Grant, who were the top drafters that season. But also, if you look at it, it's all about the appearances. I tried to replicate the success in that season of Ross picking Lena Vega, and it fell flat in its arse. And it's part of the reason I ended up in purgatory. And the, the reason because of that is when you pick these non-wrestler picks, you need to be 
near certain that they have a place on the show every week because if they don't, it's utter dead air. It's it's mud. It's shite. You know, and that's I think that's what the story developed as we go beyond season six into the more modern era of the draft. So yeah, season seven, as you were speaking, as you need to, need to hedge your bets that your manager pick's going to appear, and obviously Aaliyah Mysterio was picked in season seven, <laughs> only picking up two points. I think that was for Ross, yeah. I believe. Whereas, yeah. like, I was, I drafted last that season, and I hedged my bets on getting Paul Heyman as my last pick, which I was oh, able to do. So, get, getting thirty-eight points. So that's that's two folk that were both picked in round five, and there's a thirty-six point difference. So there's you although that you want to pick these non-wrestlers to try and get appearance points, you still need to implement some sort of strategy as to what man you're taking and what role they have on the show at the time. Mm. I, and I do think that Paul Heyman really, we've talked about setting the president with Vega back in the day, but that was a dual role. Paul Heyman really was the one uh, that showed people this is what can be done with someone who has a guaranteed spot in multiple segments every week. Because Paul Heyman was coming out every single time with Roman Reigns. It's the reason that Gary and Grant were that confident of drafting them as a tag team, because they were inseparable. And if you're telling someone, right, you're round five pick, they won't wrestle, but they'll get just as many appearances as the top guy on a brand, are you going to take it? Of course they're going to take it. I thought it was, that was a genius pick. And for me, Heyman is the pick that really changed the game as we went into season eight. Yeah, as we, we, we saw, obviously, Reigns and uh, Heyman getting taken as a tag team. We've seen Lashley and MVP getting taken as a tag team. And we've seen that, again, this season, Lashley and MVP, Heyman and Reigns. And another one that Sarah's brought to the table was Omega and Callis. Mm. And at this point, you've got to wonder that there's so many good tag teams being left off the table here, Hockney, that mm-hmm. folk are, that's that's thirty percent of this draft table just haven't taken a tag team just to screw all the other people because yeah. they don't want them getting the appearance points later on in the round. Do you think it's it's a sound strategy to make knowing that there's tag teams that might pick up actually more wins and just appearances because of that, or do you think it's something you just need to play the game and just see what happens? Again, it's pros and cons. Like, you know, the Omega Callus pick, I think it's sort of become a running gag almost, you know, with, you know, selecting like Lashley MVP, Heyman and Reigns, and now the we've got Omega and Callus. Uh, the way I look at it, I think it's, again, it goes back to sort of taking a big scorer off the off the table because you saw me last time around uh, when I picked Kenny Omega as a singles pick with, with Robert Shaw and we ended up finishing third. Uh, and at the minute, Sarah's currently joint third with Omega and Callis, you know, with them being the top scorers. But I think that comes down to the having the, the captaincy applied as well. Mm. So I think missing out, you know, some really big tag team names like the Street Profits and MSK as well. You know, that's it's a bit of a bit of a risky play because you're not going to have Omega and Callis, you know, compete as a tag team together. Well, maybe once in a blue moon, but <laughs> it's um, yeah. it goes without saying, you know, the big points is a solid tag team winning championship matches and that's where the big points lie so when i see this sort of wrestler manager combination i look at it as, as more of like a, a strategy to remove the big the big scorers as individuals out of the draft and then it sort of forces people to think on their feet a bit but then also dave like it's it's tough because the tag team division particularly in WWE, is treated with such contempt so for example someone took the street profits right 
The Street Profits lost a title match last week. Where where did the Street Profits go from there? You know, all of a sudden you're sitting with uncertainty as opposed to the certainty of like a Don Callis and um, and Kenny Omega pick because you know they're going to show up. You don't know if the Street Profits are going to show up. And also, I, I, I think it opens the doors for more strategy. You look at the tag teams that left off the table. Right, that's also true. But then why did no one uh, pick Montez Ford as a singles pick to try and capitalise on the Street Profits wins? You know what I mean? That option's still there. And the fact that they didn't, I think, is further empirical evidence that people just do not trust WWE's tag team division right now. I think that's also a reason this strategy's become popular. Yeah, I hear what you're saying as well. Like, Because I think there was a couple of seasons ago, uh, Kwaku actually picked Zach Gibson uh, on his own yeah. when Grizzled Young Vets were competing as a tag team. That's probably the best way to go about, you know, trying to sort of work your way around WWE's horrendous booking of their tag teams. So I think before we get on to the kind of the big the big factor that's happening this season, we spoke about the tag teams. I want I want to come to probably arguably the best hmm. managerial pick that's been. I would I would say Vega and uh, Paul Heyman. I put them tied second, but I think because of the shows that this man appeared on, Campbell and the points he was able to get for your team, forty two points last season. Adam Pierce. Yeah, that's I- how you that's how you draft a manager. I knew whoever my partner was, I was taking Adam Pearce in season eight. Because I said, I think on the phone call to Grant that I had when I was doing my, my wee cheeky rounds before the, the tag teams were announced, I told him I had a big plan. I had a big plan for the final round that was going to really pay off, I thought. And when I brought it to Ryan Gallagher, he was like, yes, let's absolutely do that. I immediately saw the upside in it because it comes down again to certainty. It's a certainty that Pierce will appear multiple times on Raw and multiple times on SmackDown. And that's the beauty of that pick. Outside of those people who might cross the stream between Dark Elevation and Dynamite, there's not many two-show picks that you can get in the draft anymore in terms of the brand split being sort of firmly imposed in WWE. Adam Pierce is a rarity. And that is why I think Adam Pearce, until WWE decides to take him off television, which could happen, that's always a bit of a risk because authority figures, you know, they can they can flip and flop in the world of wrestling. I think Adam Pearce is going to be a high pick for seasons to come now because of what he has uh, managed to accomplish in season eight and what he'll accomplish in season nine for me. I think so. I think with with the for how the longevity of how Adam Pearce stays, I think it's safe to say that yourself and Ryan Gallagher have changed the game and taken an official at that point and being able to take him in round one and evident that he's in the top three this week again. Like mm-hmm. that, that already argues the case as to why he should be a round one pick. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's something something that's interesting though this season. Uh, I'll I'll stick with Campbell here. Then I'll come to you hotly afterwards. Yeah, Tony Schiavone, Beth Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And Corey Graves have all been drafted in this season. Obviously, yeah. Tony's going to be in dark elevation and dynamite. So that'll be two points for Gary. Beth Phoenix is all with Ross has got two points. Corey Graves has got one point. This is a, a co- commentators have been drafted here, and it's the, the, the point being made is, is to prop them up with appearances, and you kind of know the points that will be get for them by the end of the season, so you can kind of calculate that. I'd, I. I don't know if commentators is the way to go. I don't think it's a draft strategy I'd like to implement. I'd maybe argue the case Tony, purely because of the, the points he can get between the two shows. But it's, a, it's an interesting one, I think. It's a tough one because we've, we, we spoke about the amount of teams that have zero scorers this week. 
these guys know that they're never going to be in that position with the commentary picks. And that is a strength. If it comes down to one pick at the end, at one point in the end of the season, you know, you can chalk that one up to, oh, thank you, Cody Graves, for, for commentating an episode of Monday Night Raw. Thank you, Beth Phoenix, for doing a backstage interview with uh, Frankie Mane and Io Shirai. You know, I think, I think it's an interesting one. There is a certain risk factor to it in terms of you don't want to go for the big swings. Like, Sarah innovated it, so we know, knew she was going to try it before the draft. Gary is a really weird competitor because sometimes he makes a really bold, innovative pick that changes the draft forever, and other times he just loves a really conservative, safe bet, which he got with Tony, and he was very clever about the one with Tony. Ross, we have no idea what was happening with him. Um, really, <laughs> he, he didn't know he was going to pick Beth Phoenix. I, I, think he he just, I think he just panicked at the last minute and said, yeah. right, we'll just pick, we'll just pick anybody. Yeah, exactly. It, it'll be interesting to see where they where they finish up in terms of the scorers at the end of the season. I think that'll be the proof in the pudding because if they're near the bottom, like all three of them uh, ended up in the sort of bottom uh, point scorers, I can't see anyone continuing with that strategy unless they're really stuck in round five. However, if they end up mid-table, I think we could see commentators being a staple of the draft for seasons to come because of what we said, control certainty these are valuable assets to any drafter and they're things you want on your draft team is it, is it something you've ever considered talking is it something you would consider for a future season given if there's like a a small time window that like you, you just need kind of certain appearance points do you think it's do you think it's sound for a long-term thing when you know there's going to be wrestlers that will be picking up more appearances and match wins than a commentator they might only get one at one point a week well, you know me, you know, I'm a, a risk analyst at heart and I'm all about, you know, con- control uncertainty when it comes to st- comes to statistics. Um, but if I was to take a commentator on my team, it would be probably either a last round pick or at the very most a fourth round pick. Because that usually if I'm running out of options, I would consider somebody who's going to get me consistent appearance points, even if they don't compete in matches. But ideally, I would rather have a team that has the potential to compete on pay-per-views and score big wins rather than just sort of settle for low-key appearance points. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna choose a team, I need to pick people who are most likely gonna appear on pay-per-views and probably pick up wins. And that was sort of my thinking going into this one. I would only resort to a commentary pick if it was a truly last resort. Yeah, there we go. That's uh, we've we'll find out at the end of the season how these commentators are doing. But unfortunately for all the lovely people listening to this show, as all the time we have. David Gamble, thank you very much for joining us. Yep, an absolute pleasure. See you next week. David Tottenham, as always, thank you for joining us as well. Absolute pleasure, and I will see you next week. And uh, make sure you listen to the quiz show, showdown tomorrow, and I'm sure you'll find out who's actually going to compete in it, <laughs> even, though, even though I'm there. <laughs> but it's, not, it's, it's myself, Ross, Stephen, and Scott tuning in. Many surprises along the way. You'll see what happens. You'll see some singing. You'll see some dancing. You'll see some film talk. You'll see some TV talk. It's not a wrestling quiz. And I absolutely love the fact it's not a wrestling quiz. So, goodbye everyone. We'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat the Suplex Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat, Seek, Suplex, Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.